This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and the quickest, um, Kentucky basketball's quickest review podcast as well. Um, That is a challenge. If anyone can get out a review for a game quicker than I can, I will take down that out of my title. But for now, we are keeping it. Today, um, I am joined by the great Bradley of Bradley's Basketball Banter. Um, How are you doing tonight? doing great how are you i'm doing absolutely great we uh we also we have a group chat together we also have um we have connor caldwell and jd hall of our other i guess quadrant of podcasts that we have but they're currently too busy um talking about who has the bigger tv on twitter right now so we'll leave those two for that fun but um let's get straight into the basketball game kentucky tonight beat georgia 92 to 77 um Oscar Sheway looked like he was about to have again or he did have another monster performance um I think he got up to 17 rebounds he had to go along with 29 points I believe that is a team high on the season it was a team high tonight shot 13 of 21 from the field but Ty Ty Washington said all right yeah 29 and 17 one of the best performances we've seen from a center all year let me just one up you and break a John Wall Kentucky record, all time record. Puts up um, 17 assists to go along with 17 points on only two turnovers. So, absolutely insane night statistic wise. Um, we'll go more into individual performances. What did you just think about the game as a whole tonight? Uh, overall, uh, I thought, especially in the second half, the second half, uh, Kentucky really pulled away. I was a little nervous, not going to lie, in the first half. Um, you know, it, it's not that they were playing bad. It was just Georgia was playing so much better than I think Georgia actually is as a whole as a team. Uh, of course, they they come in have some guys just shooting lights out. It uh, doesn't matter how good a defense was being played on them. Some guys just were not going to miss uh, in the first half. It seems like that always happens with, with random, uh, not very good teams. You know, no disrespect to anybody on Georgia's roster. Uh, except for Tom Cream, uh, but uh, disrespect <laughs> I, <intended>. <laughs> disrespect is is earned and deserved with Tom Cream. But uh, that that second half, especially uh, when Kentucky pulled away, you, you see just how dangerous this team can be uh, when when they're hitting when when shots are falling. I mean, Kellen Gray shot one for six from three, and we won by fifteen points. And they, so. Uh, yeah, pretty good game. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree with both points made. The first half, not only were we nervous because um, we, we've seen just how ridiculously hot random-ass teams coming into Rupp Arena <laughs> could be, but we've also seen, like, Mizzou just knocked off number 15-ranked Alabama tonight. We saw earlier in the week, Vanderbilt went on the road to beat Arkansas. Now, I, I get that, like, this is a huge step back from what Arkansas's team was um, last year, and they'll probably be even better next year. I do like Musselman as a coach. I don't think they're great this year. But still, to Vanderbilt to go into Arkansas, that's a tough place for Kentucky to go into. Sometimes we struggle there. And so 
when we play a team like Georgia, I don't care that they're a quad four team. If they get hot from three, we have seen throughout the season just more more crazy things happen than this. We've seen Evansville come in here and beat us. So there, there's no real safe feeling, no matter who you're playing against. But like you said, they picked it up in the second half. I think the first half, like you said, Georgia just went a little bit unconscious. Um, we struggled to shoot a little bit. Colin Grady wasn't really getting the shots to fall. We saw Davion Mintz um, kind of almost step into that three-point shooting role that we usually want to see Grady do. He was getting a lot of looks we give Grady. And I think he finished the day five of seven from three. Um, again, it's one of the craziest things is just how quiet people on our team can do things. Like Oscar will have like 25 and 25 and Xavier Wheeler will have like 20 and 15. And then like Taitai Washington will have 20 points you don't even notice. Like it's yeah. kind of like what Davion Mintz did tonight. Like um, Taitai Washington obviously had 17 and 17. Um, Oscar Shibwe had 29 and 17 tonight and you, you they just absolutely stole the show and then someone actually like nudged me in um the eruption zone at the game they're like pointing up and like wow Mintz has 19 points now I'm like <laughs> when did he get 19 like, like I, I, yeah. I guess I remember him hitting the threes but I don't actually remember him going that crazy but yeah he knocked down five threes five of seven um his breakout Breakout performance for the season kind of started that second half of LSU um, responding to Xavier Wheeler going down. So what have you seen from Davion Mintz, who really struggled the first, I guess, first 10-ish games? I know we had uh, he was out with sickness for a little bit, so maybe that contributed. But for a sixth-year player, um, you don't expect a whole lot of, like, adaption throughout the season. But we, we've seen Davion Mintz get a lot better. What have you seen from him this past game and a half? Well, I, I think really what you see from Mintz, and I think you hit the nail on the head, his sickness that he was dealing with, that uh, could have contributed some to his – I don't really know if you can even call him struggles because he was never bad. He just wasn't necessarily what we expected him to be. I think part of what it was was last year he had to be the guy and he, he had to come in and, and score 15 to 20 a night if Kentucky wanted to have a shot to win it. And with, with the makeup of this team, that's just not it. Uh, we have so much better scores this year. And uh, with Davion, I think he is a little bit better whenever he has a little bit more pressure on him. You look at uh, him hitting shots in late game situations. Uh, going down there against LSU, he had that one clutch three uh, to cut it to a one-point game. And, uh, you know, tonight he hit some big, big shots. Uh, so I think some players are like this. They just play harder when there's more pressure. I think Davion Mintz is definitely one of those uh, guys. But one thing that just blows my mind, Davion Mintz, like you said, had 19 points, shot five of seven from three, and he was Kentucky's third best player this game. <laughs> you know, if, if you had told me going into the game, that our third best player would have 19 points shooting five of seven from three. I would say we beat Georgia by 40. I mean, I'm never going to complain about a win, especially a 15 point win in SEC play with Georgia shooting 47% from three uh, overall for the game. But if you told me our best, our third, our third best player would have 19 points, five of seven from three, uh, I would have thought we won by 40. Uh, but that just speaks to the kind of games that uh, Oscar and Ty Ty had. 
Absolutely. And like Keon Brooks tonight had 14 points. That's probably in like his top third of scoring for the season games. He shot six of eight from the field, um, made both of his three throws, had a crazy dunk. I thought played really good defense as well. Oh, yeah. And we can, he won't even get mentioned because Mintz had 19 and Chibwe had 29 and 17. And Ty Ty Washington has an all time Kentucky record that John Wall held for 11, yeah. 12 years now. So, <laughs> Absolutely um, insane. Also, I don't remember when John Wall broke his record, but yeah, I, mean, I have to think it wasn't against an SEC opponent. You, someone can correct me if I'm yeah, wrong about that. I think they said on the post game that it was against Hartford. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know Georgia again, they're not phenomenal, but <laughs> I mean, still first, power five. They're still power five. And your first game as a point guard in your basketball career. He's never been a starting point guard before in college basketball, not basketball career, college basketball career. He was like, yeah, I guess what do, what do point guards do? They drop a lot of assists. Okay, I'll just do the most in a single game in school history. And I know Georgia's not a great team, but Aaron Cook's a legit player. Like he got serious mm-hmm. minutes for an almost completely undefeated um, Gonzaga team, a national runner-up last year. Um, so absolutely amazing performance from Ty Ty Washington. Going into Ty Ty Washington, the big thing I want to talk about. Um, first of all, have you ever heard the story of Wally Pip? No, I have not. So this is, I'm, I'm a baseball fan, okay? So if you're a baseball fan too, you probably already know the story. But this is like back in like the 1910s, maybe early 20s. I don't really remember. But there's the starting first baseman for the New York Yankees, one of the best teams in all of baseball, especially all the way back then. So Wally Pip was a starting first baseman played every single day. One day he had a headache and he was like, coach, I, I, I can't play. Um, can, can you put someone else in for me just for today? He said, all right, we'll put, we'll put someone else in just for today. How about we try, how about we try that Lou Gehrig kid? <laughs> so anyways, if, again, if you know, if you know anything about baseball, you know, Lou Gehrig um, starting that day had the most consecutive games played in MLB history until it was later broken by Cal Ripken. But Wally Pipp never got his job back. They put in Lou Gehrig and he became a Hall of Famer. So I, I, I tell that weird story just to say the fact, like, Saber Wheeler, a little bit of a neck injury, all right? Ty Ty Washington did his job for one day and sets the school record for most assists in a game. Like, obviously, when Tavir comes back, he's going to have a role on this team. But do you think it's going to be a little bit smaller? Like, do you think Xavier Wheeler is going to be your starting point guard 30, 35 minutes a game? Or maybe do you start seeing it be like 20 Wheeler, 20 Ty-Ty? And maybe Ty-Ty will still get another 10 off the ball. And maybe you try different sets with, like, both of them. But Ty-Ty Washington has to be – the a point guard, a playmaker integrated in this offense moving forward and somewhat bigger of a capacity than we have seen in the beginning of the season. That's my interpretation. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I, I do absolutely think that whenever Wheeler's back, he will take the majority uh, of the of the minutes at point guard. Uh, but it might be kind of like you said, a 2020 deal or like a 25-15 kind of split. Uh, but I definitely feel more confident in, uh, you know, that that might be one of the 
most casual things that you could say. I feel a little bit more confident in Ty Ty being a point guard after he dropped 17 assists. I mean, I sound like such an idiot saying that, but uh, you know, I, I was a little nervous coming into the game. I, you know, we hadn't seen Ty Ty, like you said, as, as the primary ball handler that much coming into the game. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I do still think severe, like you said, is going to get uh, the majority of the minutes at point guard. I'm, I'm not saying that he'll never start again or anything like that. You know, no uh, Lou Gehrig or anything like that. But Ty Ty, and I, I think this improves his NBA draft stock as well, uh, because is he really, does he really have the size to be a two guard in the NBA? Uh, maybe. Uh, you, you see it some with guys like uh, Emmanuel Quickly now, uh, you know, that Kentucky connection. Uh, but I don't think anybody's going to let Ty Ty slip into the 20s in the NBA draft, especially after seeing him drop 17 assists in his first game as a college point guard. Uh, he out he so much with this. And uh, I, I know I'll probably talk a little bit too much about this anytime I talk about Ty Ty. I have to bring up the first time I watched him. But the first time I watched him was at the Iverson Classic. Uh, back when I was still living in Memphis. And uh, whenever I was watching Ty Ty, he was hitting threes from the logo, and he was just absolutely going nuts. And I thought, this this kid's going to be great. So early in the season, well, really before the season started, I was saying, oh, Ty Ty's going to come in. He's going to be the next great uh, Calipari guard. And I, I, don't, I don't think I was wrong about that. Uh, he's the next great Calipari guard. But uh, as far as uh, Ty Ty and as a, a, a scoring threat, people were saying we, we wanted more scoring from Ty Ty. But if Ty Ty's dropping 17 assists, he doesn't need to score. I mean, look at his effectiveness. He shot eight of 13 from the field. Ty Ty had 17 points and didn't hit a three, only had one free throw. Uh, when, when is the last time that you're, one of your starting guards uh, for really any team in the country had 17 points, didn't hit a three, only hit one free throw. So Ty Ty, uh, I expect him to just come in and be this electric scorer, which he is, but I'm seeing a lot more from him on the ball, you know, especially anytime you get 17 assists in a game, you know, I can't do that in a game of NBA 2K. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just unreal. What, what we're seeing from Ty Ty. And uh, I mean, the, the potential really for this team is just off the charts now with, with this performance from Ty Ty. Yeah, I want to pick out two things that you said. And one was the whole draft thing. Like, yeah, Ty Ty Washington, like, is he like a point guard that's not really a true point guard or is he a little bit undersized of a two guard? We have seen the past few years Jamal Murray with the Nuggets, um, mm. Tyrese Maxey with the Sixers, Emmanuel Quickly with the Knicks, with these guards that are point guards, but they didn't play point guard at Kentucky. And that caused them to slip down a little bit because people were like, uh, do we want a point guard that shoots this much? Do we want a shooting guard that isn't a true shooting guard? Mm. But it's like, no, they're, they're point guards. They're <laughs> point guards. John Calipari plays two to three point guards. He doesn't have yeah. one point guard. Just because 
Ty Ty Washington might not be the guy that dribbles the ball from the baseline to the midcourt line before he makes the first pass. Doesn't mean he's not a point guard out there. And we've we've seen that throughout the year. Even when Wheeler's been in the game, Wheeler could have a game where he has 11 points and nine assists. And you look over at Ty Ty and he has 14 points and six assists. Like he's had multiple six assist games, six, seven assist games with a, the nation's leader and assist in the same backcourt. So mm. I, I completely agree with you there. His draft stock should only raise higher. Um, I think he might be the top guard. Like, this is a really big, heavy draft. Like, I look yeah. with Chet Holmgren, and the potential there. Paulo Bancaro, the potential and NBA ready and NBA fit, that ability to play that stretch four, even a five, but still the size, have all the guard skills, all that. Um, Jabari Smith seems more like a three or a four. Um, probably a four in the NBA. Um, but those are probably like the top three picks, at, at least from my interpretation. Um, oh, when yeah. you think about guards, I feel like Kennedy Chandler really hasn't hit what his stock was supposed to be. Um, with J.D. Davison, the guy at Alabama, I think he's playing good, but I wouldn't say he's playing yeah. better than Ty Ty Washington. No. I think Jaden Ivey at Purdue, who I believe is a sophomore now, will be the only real point guard that's going to rival Ty Ty Washington to be the top guard taken. And when you're the best guard in the draft, we we know just the way the NBA is, like picks one through six aren't all going to be bigs. Like it's not going to go like Oscar, whatever. I'm just listening to topics. Yeah. Oscar Liddell, Tracy Jackson Davis, um, Chad Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, like they're not going to go one through six, all going to be bigs. So you're going to be a top three or four pick just by being the best guard in the draft. Um, so anyways, the second point that you made, um, as soon as I remember, yes, Ty Ty Washington, like you said, people were seeing him pull up from 30 and just, I think he came in second in the three-point contest, but I think he did win every other three-point contest he ever took place in in high school. Like, this guy is an elite shooter, and because of that, he gained a lot of comparisons to Emmanuel quickly. But to me, even though he's a very, very, very capable shooter, he looks most comfortable almost in that Sabir Wheeler role where it's drive to the basket. If the defender completely crashes, pull up for that memory shot, that little... Uh, one, two dribble elbow jumper that he has. Mm. Um, he, he loves that shot. And that, that was automatic tonight. Um, or it's drive to the hoop and get himself a floater or a layup or a dish off to Oscar or Keon or Toppin or someone like that. Um, or Lance or Collins when they come in as well. So that's where he's most comfortable for me. So I do get the Emmanuel quickly comparison, but to me, he seems more like a Brandon Knight, like an attack first all-around point guard that could score or dish it out. I see a little bit of Tyrese Maxey in this game. Mm -hmm. um, nowhere near as athletic and explosive. I do see a little bit of John Wall in the game. Just that, yeah. again, that dual point guard. You can drive to the bucket, create a mismatch, and get a shot for someone else, or you can go and get a bucket for yourself. So I, I see a lot more of those. And again, when you have Ty Ty Washington, the guy that can get to the hoop that well, running the point guard, and you have Davion Mintz, an elite shooter on one side, and Kellen Grady, another veteran elite shooter on the other side. You have so much spacing for him to do what you do. When you have Savir Wheeler along with Ty Ty Washington, Ty Ty kind of almost needs to be that shooter. He doesn't get to yeah. do all the things that I, we saw him do tonight. But again, Wheeler's way too good of a talent. We saw him put up 26 points and eight assists 
four steals against North Carolina. Um, his defense is much needed. So again, he's not going to get Wally pipped. He's not going to get Lou Gehrig. He's he is <laughs> still going to play. But I kind of like what he said. Like maybe twenty five fifteen, especially if Ty Ty keeps doing what he did tonight. Um, just for his defense. So twenty five minutes, Wheeler will be at point guard. Um, 15, Ty Ty will be a point guard, and maybe another 15, Ty Ty could play the shooting guard, mm-hmm. which will get him up to 30 points for the game. So I, I think that's a really good balance between the two. Um, oh, hey, of- real <laughs> quick, real quick before we get off of Ty Ty, you mentioned it. He had two turnovers this game to 17 assists, and, and one of them was garbage time just messing around with the ball. So really, if you want to be serious about it, he had 17 assists, and one turnover and you know two is going to show up in the box score but like I said one was just kind of garbage time messing around with it that's insane he was also our second leading rebounder of the night he had five rebounds as a guard only trailing of course (laughs) Oscar and that's again we go through the stat sheet we go through the stat sheet and some of these stats are so insane that we miss stuff like a guard getting five rebounds like that just doesn't seem that impressive because of everything else uh, what is that? An eight and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. And he said yeah. he had 17 points and didn't even get to the free throw line, which means all of his scoring came from the field. And he still shot as efficiently as he did. I think he shot over 60, like 64% he was. So absolutely absurd night for Ty Ty. But um, speaking, talking about Wheeler and Washington, figuring out that whole backcourt, another piece sooner or later we might have to figure out is Shaden Sharp. So before I get into your opinion on what we should do with Shaden Sharp, um, because we know that me and you and everyone else in the Big Blue Nation and on Twitter is smarter than Cal and he's just (laughs) he's going to do the wrong thing. You know, he's the guy at practice and sees his players play 80 hours a week, but he won't make the right decision. But anyways, um, the night before Calipari had his press conference where he talked about everything about Shane Sharp, I forget what night it was. It might have been Tuesday, Wednesday night. But um, Grant Peters, one of our members over at catscoverage.com. I'm a writer there, if you don't know. If you've been listening to this podcast for a minute, you should know. But um, he got some really interesting scoop, and he wrote a really, really good article about that. So I don't want to take too much of his information, but the article's been out for a minute now, and Cal came out and said a lot of the same things. So um, I'll, I'll hit on some of those points. One, do not be shocked if Shaden Sharp does not play this season. And don't be upset, because I currently that's kind of almost like the plan. Like, I think Cal Perry, I think said it, he hopes that we don't have to get the Shaden Sharp. He's hoping that our four guards which on paper is the best backcourt in the country. Sabir Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, and Davion Mintz. Between the experience, um, the scoring, the passing, the defense, the top draft potential with Ty Ty, that should be enough to win you a national title with Oscar Shibway being a top five player in the country. He's probably hoping that none of those guys get hurt and we don't need Shaden to pick up minutes. Um, and and that's, that's where we are right now. So... He um, also, in the little bit of scoop that we got, he said, skill-wise, everything's there. Like, he's hitting the shots. He's making the moves. He's His basketball IQ and, like, 
I guess just quickness and assessing everything that's going on, that that's still all there. The only thing that's not quite there is the conditioning. Um, he, he's really struggling to get up and down the court, even in individual drills. Like that first day of practice on Thursday. Also, it was, it was Thursday. So Thursday night was when we got the, uh, the report. But he only did individual drills. He wasn't doing contact drills. He wasn't bumping in with other players. He wasn't trying to guard anyone. They just had him up and down the court shooting, and he was even struggling with that. So now you throw in players, you throw in the physical aspect, he's going to be even way more behind. So everyone's saying like, oh, he, he's the best talent. It shouldn't be a problem to put him in. It, it's not as simple as that. We're not even getting into basketball concepts. He doesn't know Calipari's offense. He doesn't know where Xavier Wheeler passes the ball to you. He doesn't know where Davion Mintz likes to get the balls. Like all those little things that everyone has down now, the little, like the chemistry, that the exact term for it, the chemistry. Um, he doesn't have all of that. So it, it could, this could upset you. I'm, I'm sorry if you were really looking forward to see Shane Sharp in some magnified role this season. Um, it seems like after every win that we're talking like, Oh, how do we even, fit sharp into this like I tie 17 and 17 Wheeler didn't even play Grady's the best three-point shooter in the country and Mintz had 19 where do we even play sharp and then we lose and everyone's like oh we need sharp we need sharp we need we need this number one prospect to be the best player since Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson <laughs> we, we we need him we need him it's like all right so we don't need him 80 90 percent of the time when we're winning and that 10 percent of the time when we lose all of a sudden we need him and the sky is falling and our season's over if we don't play him so that that's my whole spiel the um it was also in the article um it said and i think i don't know if cal said this directly or not but again in the article the scoop that we got it is probably going to be at least a month until we see him at all and when we see him, I think it's going to be in a very limited role, maybe five to 10 minutes a game, almost kind of what we see from Bryce Hopkins right now playing that when he comes in for the three spot, um, when we take a couple of guards out at a time, we see Bryce Hopkins come to the game for like five to 10 minutes, depending on how well he plays. I think we could see that with Sharp if he picks it up in a month, um, but that's, that's the earliest. So that the stretch of games in early February, if we don't see him then, we, he kind of has a two more weeks, two, three more weeks to get it going. Because in my opinion, if he's not ready to play by the beginning of March, you can't throw him out there in the SEC in tournament. I, I kind of agree with Kev there. So he kind of has a yeah. really small window. Can he get in shape? And can he play at the top level in a small role and be productive? Um, do something that all the other guards can't, and that's be an above-the-rim finisher. No, like, Ty Ty, as good as he is, he can't do that. As good as Grady is, he's more of a shooter, but he, he would be the best rim attacker and above-the-rim finisher on our team. So, again, that that is partially half my opinion and half scoop what we know the program wants to do with this player. Um, what is your interpretation of what should we do with Shaden Sharp? What, how soon should we see him and how big of a role should we see him in when he ultimately does get here? Well, I saw something on the good old Twitter this afternoon that I think perfectly encapsulates what the entire feel of the BBN is going to be in the Shaden Sharp situation. Our, our friend uh, KG over there on Twitter, 
He said, I feel like the shading situation is going to be one of those things where people are going to complain either way unless we make a deep tourney run. And then at Blue Kell on, on Twitter said, I expect Kentucky fans to be reasonable, pragmatic, and understanding. <laughs> I thought that that was the perfect tweet to encapsulate what is going to happen with, with Shaden Sharp. Uh, you know, Kentucky fans are going to be reasonable. Uh, nobody ever overreacts about anything. Uh, you know, and just. Uh, but no, honestly, what I think is going to happen is, uh, like you said, it's going to take him two, three weeks, maybe up to a month in practice before he understands the chemistry of the offense. And people are talking about, oh, it's going to wreck team chemistry. I'm not talking about team chemistry I'm talking about on the court chemistry just running plays like you said getting guys the ball where they like it and you know how much zip that severe puts on his passes versus tie tie and things like that uh ultimately I don't think sharp plays a ton of minutes this year like you said if he's not going by the start of March, I wouldn't expect him. I wouldn't expect to see him at all, unless it's an uber specific scenario. Say you get into the SEC tournament and you never want to see it happen, but maybe a guy goes down injured, and maybe uh, let's just say, and I don't want to wish it on anyone, but say somebody like Severe goes down with it with an injury, and maybe Ty Ty's in foul trouble, and maybe Mintz or Grady isn't hitting you might have to go to Shaden. I mean, rather than running a lineup of Lance, Oscar, Toppin, and Keon. As much and, as we know that Cal would want to do that. Yeah, yeah. As, as much as Cal would love that, you, you cannot reasonably do that. So I, I think un, that is the only scenario, something like that, where it's just you, 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 everything is going wrong. You know, it, it's, it's just storming, pouring on your head. Uh, is the only way that we see Sharp get extended minutes this season. Now, I wouldn't be opposed, you know, in blowouts and things like that, getting getting him some run out there, just getting him comfortable on the court. Part of that is just because I want to see him throw down some cool dunks, you know, out there running with the walk-ons. But uh, I, I don't think he gets a ton of minutes this season. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Bradley Smith at 270 Bradley Smith uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And then uh, my podcast, Bradley's Basketball Banter, is on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. I've had Matt on there recently. And uh, we actually did an all-time fantasy draft of uh, UK uh, teams and players and uh, had a good time with that. Matt had a really good team. Uh, unfortunately, lost out to J.D. Hall there in the championship round. Uh, but that was a really good time. And so uh, I would uh, appreciate any listeners, new listeners uh, that I have to that. And uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate, first of all, you having me on. It was a great episode. I enjoyed recording it. Um, it was super fun to do and just think about all the different areas of Kentucky basketball. And I was really interested to hear what all the other people had to say about what they drafted, like the different perspectives from players that were around before I was even born or even before I was a fan in like the early 2000s. But 
Um, go give that a listen on Bradley's Basketball Vander. I appreciate you coming on tonight on super late notice. I literally texted you on my hike, mile and a half hike back from Rupp Arena. And uh, he came on and got his computer up and coming. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, I appreciate everyone listening. Um, if you had a problem with anything that was said tonight or at, at SACBBN on Twitter, um, go on my comment section and say everything you thought I said wrong. We'll settle it like adults. Um, if you enjoyed everything that I said tonight, go on the Courtside Connect on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and go listen there. Um, previous episodes, this episodes, or go on to Twitter and retweet wherever I um, posted the episode and help share it so other people can hear my good slash bad basketball takes as well. I'm glad that Kentucky's back in the win column. Vanderbilt, Tennessee coming up. We got to go beat our border rivals. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. As always, go Cats. Just need to clear my mind.